All right. So um, today is Friday, August the 28th, and we are in my backyard. We're looking at the blue sky. We're looking at clouds. What does that one kind of look like right there, if anything, to anybody? Mm, I kind of see a sword if I had to stretch it. Okay. Interesting. Uh, regrettably, we see what we think are chemtrails in the sky. But we're going to talk about the stone. I'm, I'm an open. It's just a nice day. We can I, Wherever you want to go, we can go. I, I have no limits. Just to let you know. Thank you. But I uh, do want to start off and say one thing. Though. Yes. Uh, I just want to start with some gratitude. So, like, I'm grateful for these friends of mine. I'm grateful that they're interested in stuff that I do. I don't take that lightly. Um, and I'm interested in their their endeavors as well. And uh, her backyard really is beautiful. It's very peaceful. And uh, I'm glad. I put this in a video on Facebook. If you didn't watch the whole video, you would have never seen it. But I talked about you. And so um, I talked about how you're intelligent and you're very good with speaking. And I don't. I really appreciate that, that... I have intelligence around me. Thank you. You know, and that that that, and you're and you're a good speaker. So I, it's good to talk to you because you speak like a good language. Where I I can tend to go into artistic things, or the the worst of all is some is like explanation, because like when I was in Africa, I I had um. It was really tough. Because I did not get the word. I come from a mom that's telling me all this stuff. You're the best. You know, Jesus loves you. You're going to get married to a virgin. You know, she, you're not going to fight with her. All this flower power, Christian, Jesus loves stuff. My mom's feeding me that. So I learned to eat that. And then when I went to Africa, I was cut off from the source of my, of my well-being. And I could not find the word. They were speaking Susu, they were speaking uh, Wolof, they were speaking French, and it was all mumble jumble to me, and I could not get, I couldn't hold on to anything, no meaning, no no structure, and so, um, so I had to create it myself. This goes back to the producer thing. You know, my church, honestly, was I would go to the beach, and I would do all this, and I'd see as far as the water could go. And in my mind, I'm playing out scenes from the Bible. And I knew this thing called camera, that in a way, God is watching us. He's always watching us. And so I knew if I wanted something, I had to put that into the situation so I can withdraw from it later, like a bank. So I would go out there, and, you know, I would go like this, and... Hallelujah. I'm having church service in the beach in my swimsuit because I knew if I released my faith, it would come back to me. So I was releasing faith out on the beach. And so but when I spoke to people, I had a couple options because I didn't really speak the language. So one of the hardest things, um, one of the, the easiest things was explanation. So I would explain, explain, explain. But you don't get a lot of faith from explanation. It doesn't take a lot of faith muscles to explain something. Now, the highest form of the word I found is a story. The stories give you lots of faith. Okay. You tell a story about how you wanted a chicken farm and you 
you bought the seeds, you bought the egg, I mean, you bought the, the chicken, and then the night you had the chicken, it got stolen, so you went back, and you put them in a room, and you're telling people that, and they're, they're listening, their ears are open, and they're, they're waiting for the uh, conclusion of the story, and that is the highest form of faith that I found. And um, so, you know, um, that, that's what I learned in Africa, and um, there's other alternatives too, like singing, singing. Um, and I'm not just talking about opening up your voice in like a choir. I'm talking about like what we do. Mm-hmm. We come, hey, how you doing? You know, you're having interactive conversation. It's it's a song. Like after I couldn't make music in the studio because I travel, I found to live life as a song. Life is a song. These birds that are chirping and these insects, they're all singing. And I found that that that's like the song isn't only in the studio on a on a cd exactly on the soundtrack because life essentially is a soundtrack and so that's why i decided we were going to come outside we were going to get grounded we were going to be in nature and as we were walking into my yard i was like oh my goodness i just cut grass but it's time to cut grass again so there are a couple things going on here so let's kind of I'm just going to back it up for a second. So I'm in my backyard with Raphael and Jill. And we're going to talk about The Stone, The Builders Reject, which is a book that Raphael uh, wrote. But I wanted to kind of just draw a parallel because when you were in Africa, what countries or what country did you initially go to? Dakar, or Senegal. Okay, and did you travel any place else other than Senegal? When I, I came back a couple times to Guinea. Okay, and the reason I asked that question is because I too have been to Africa. Um, I went to Ghana, where I attended the University of Ghana Law School, and then when my niece Kiara graduated from college, my mother and I uh, we took her and we went to Morocco. But then when I turned 50, um, I went to South Africa. And then when I was in Ghana, I also got to go to Togo. So we're talking West Africa, North Africa, South Africa, and then your experience with Senegal is also West Africa. What was your thought or what were your thoughts, if any, when you first got to Africa? What did you feel, if anything, or how did it make you feel um, to be an African-American who had journeyed to Africa? Well, um, when I went by myself, not under my father's protection or ideas, when I went by myself, I was, I was shocked. I was really shocked. I was shocked because um, it looked like nothing was there. Like I didn't see no skyscrapers or roads or water. It was. It looked like they didn't finish building it. And do you recall what year that was? Two thousand fifteen. Wow, that's interesting because I went to Ghana for the first time the summer of nineteen eighty one, and. It was an exchange program 
through Temple Law School, but I have to share that I had attended college, Trinity College, and um, while there were few people of color, Latin Americans and Africans, there were there were Africans. In fact, there were um, students who were there from Ghana, um, and so they provided me they provided me with um i guess a different point of view or perspective maybe the fact also that one of my majors because i was a double major was intercultural studies which is kind of like a hodgepodge of african african american latin american asian studies kind of all coming together um, and so, interestingly enough, when I decided to go to Africa, to Ghana, um, these classmates of mine told me they were going to be there for the summer. And I was like, whoa, can't wait. We're going to have a good time. I always say there are no coincidences, only synchronicities. We flew out of New York and... one or two of these classmates were on the same flight as I was along with other uh, law school students who were all going to Ghana. And I remember some of my law school classmates remarking on the fact that, oh my God, you know, we haven't even gotten to Africa and, and there's Miss Bussy appearing, apparently consorting or, or hanging out with the Africans. And I was like, don't hate, appreciate. I went to college with the brothers, okay? And that kind of set the stage for me having an experience that parts of it, if, if I knew what I know now, I would have taken the time to, to journal, which is something I now do on the regular, but I didn't do at that time. Um, but my first impression for me was I was born in this little town in Georgia called Cuthbert. It's in Randolph County, Georgia, which is the same town that my mother and father were born in and my family on my maternal and paternal side. Basically, that's the center of where my people come from. And what you have in Cuthbert, Georgia, is red clay. Now they grow cotton, they grow peanuts. But when I went to Ghana, the first thing that I saw was red clay. And instantly, I felt this connection like, whoa, I had come full circle. Um, I can remember being at the dorm and some of the uh, Caucasians who were there with us were complaining that there, quote, was no hot water for them to take a shower. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, do you not get, you know, you should be grateful that one, you have water, period. And the fact that it's cold water, I mean, it was like hot as Hades because we were there during the summer. So, you know, what you spoke about gratitude um, is, is interesting to note. But 
since that time, um, certainly Africa then, 1981, Africa now, I think people are a lot of times surprised when they go to Africa for the first time. And what they expect Africa to be is not necessarily what it is. But that's why I was interested in what your first impressions were, which were a little different than mine, yet you went at a later date in time than I went, because I was there summer of 1981. That's kind of interesting. But be that as it may, um, the stone the builders reject. What I did was I read this, Jilda read this, and there were some passages that struck me. But what would you say your inspiration was, if any, for you writing the stone the builders reject? My inspiration, um, it started off with a lot of different ideas. Um, I remember some of the things I was fumbling around with was this thing called God's Army. I was calling my friend, talking about that, and I wrote some stuff for that. Um, it was a vision. It started out with a bunch of like mumble jumbo ideas. And then um, when I landed on, you know, what do I need to do to survive this situation? That's the answer to that, which I, I wrote that book in uh, Senegal, in Dakar. Um, and, uh, you know, because my, my, my gift and my curse is that it's just me. I'm the producer. So like a lot of times I want to, I want to call people and I do it sometimes for you and I try not, I'm trying not to do it too much, but I call people. I'm just looking for what to do. Like, what am I supposed to do in this situation? Or how, am I feeling wrong? You know, um. So, um, so I have to get, I have to get around in my brain. So, and so you might like pray and stuff, but if I, I have to get around in my brain, like I said, so I just fly. That's, that's what I learned to do. So uh, if I can't get to where I want to go, I just fly over it or that's what the book starts to talk about it talks about you can it allows you to to maneuver because what i learned in school is uh, a preposition a preposition is anything a plane can do a plane can go under around in out anything a plane can do in the sky is what a preposition can do so that's what that's what flying is so that's what he flew is about. It's about, it's about if I wake up and I need to know something, I just fly it. Or the big, big one, because I'm by myself and I started my life, my new life, my manhood with rejection. You know, actually I rejected the child in me. So, so every time, and now I have a pattern of rejection. So when I get hit with rejection, I just fly through it. I like, he flew away or he flew around. And before you know it, I'm not spending months and years thinking about what happened at this hour and this day. I'm on to, I'm way next, farther. So that's a little bit about the inspiration. It's just, it's just when you have to do everything yourself, 
you have to you have to move it you know and and you know for example um a real quick story or actually we, we can get into that later okay. so you can go ahead so what i want to say is you have a unique way of expressing uh what you feel and what you think which is good and so i'm going to share some of the uh passages that i highlighted as I was reading through, because I think how you express what you're saying in the stone, the builders reject, and then we'll get Jill to weigh in as well, because she's also read the book. Um, <laughs> um, especially in these times, um, there's so much uncertainty, so much anxiety. People are searching for answers. People are stressed out. And I think what we have to learn to do more is to recognize that we have to learn how to live in the moment, which is exactly what we're doing. We have to take advantage of um, nature you know when things are seemingly i don't even know what what words to say seemingly when it appears that i don't know um things are i don't really want to say out of control but when you're looking to try to put pieces together for me i come out here i lay in the hammock I just try to be still because I think for most of us, we're always so busy doing that we fail to, to recognize there is beauty in being still and being silent and giving you, your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit time just to like rest, rejuvenate, like be kind of like a blank canvas, like you as a music producer, you know, when you produce music that's your way of expressing your thoughts your feelings your emotions and for people who are artistic that's their way of of expressing what they're feeling what they're seeing how they view the world but for people who maybe don't think they're creative they're not musically inclined they're not the producer they don't create music they don't they don't create anything in fact you know, during this time, people are just trying to keep it together um, in terms of, like, necessities, like trying to to keep a, a, a roof over their head, making sure they have food on their table. And so all these conversations that we're having and in, in discussing your book, this is all very timely in my opinion. But, okay, so what I'm going to do is let me find very quickly and if I could just take a look at the book really quickly so you you have chapter one which you call the land and so what with that as I was reading this and I don't remember I don't think that was one of the um, um, chapters or areas that I pegged, but what I immediately thought as I was reading 
the land, what that represented to me was like Mother Earth, Gaia. Okay, being grounded, being in nature. Um, and that's what it represented to me. Um, and you say, there is so much space here. You can look all around you and see space everywhere. All space is equal to God, but does not have equal value to man. Um, I enjoy looking up and hearing God whisper revelation to me. And then you say, what if I told you that everything is in the air, your mind, your heart, and your soul? It's not in your physical body, but it dwells above you. I think you would think differently about yourself and what you are capable of. To find our holy ground, we must understand the difference between space and a place. They are not the same. A place is where we can build, but space is where we find the instructions of how to build. So, Miss Jill, as you were reading this, what, if anything, came to your mind? Um, or I don't know, as you read, did you take any notes that you want to share I with it? I didn't take notes, but um, for me, it was an explanation of manifestation and how one comes to manifest um, in the physical earth plane. And I totally resonate with the chapters and understanding that we are much more than the physical being that appears and that in order for us to reach our potential which is unlimited um, we need to be aware of the space and God is everywhere you know we we are swimming in infinite intelligence which is God so whatever it is that we are seeing in our visions our whatever we feel instinctually to do is God everywhere talking to us, inspiring us, and we t we just need to listen and be aware and be awake that we are not limited. What we are, this is an excellent read now for what we are going through and what we are facing, which I believe is a rebirth of what we can be. Not what we have been, but what we can be. And so the tools that Raphael talks about, it's like, to me, a recipe book for how to do physical manifestation. So it just really kind of underscored where I'm at in my life, where I'm restarting, I'm rebuilding, I um, am manifesting my life out of what? most people would call nowhere you know but it's not nowhere it's filled with potential and it's like pregnancy you know what am I what, what is happening in my gestation period and what am I birthing so I just thought it was perfectly in tune with what I am doing so different words um but all the same, 
same source, same destination, which is manifestation. So that's what I got from it. And it, it was great. I think you did a wonderful job. Thank you. So another, so the second chapter is called The Materials. And the sentences that really struck me were, I'm going to read them. Okay. We must bring with us everything we need to the site to build. If we leave something behind, we cannot use it to build when we are ready. And then I'm going to just skip a sentence that says, once we have enough for a foundation, we can begin. When the builders build, we do it step by step. We do not anticipate completing our assignment in one day. For the foundation, we must bring something hard and sturdy. We need a material so stubborn it cannot be broken and time will not weather it away. I say we use our pain. The first material that we will bring is our pain. I was like, O-M-G. So then you say, remember from our first chapter that we have established that we are our mind. Do not feel let down because I did not say bricks or wood. The physical realm has already taken off like a rocket and there is little we can change. Holding pain in our mind can release beautiful creations in the spiritual realm. Most people do not like pain and they reject it. That is not wise. Embrace your pain, I say. Think about it every day. Meditate on it and how it made you feel. Whether your pain is caused by a breakup, daddy issues, or portrayal, you must come to understand that this is good. Pain is just like fuel for the mind. It pushes the mind upward and higher away from its low level of vibration. Okay. I understand you have a birthday coming up. Early mm. happy birthday. <laughs> what I do? Uh, first off, you seem to understand what some people never grasp in their entire lifetime, okay? Which is, life is a journey, okay? There's good, the bad, the ugly, whatever. We're here to learn. Every day, one should learn something new, okay? Um, you should have a sense of curiosity about things you know and, and the unknown. You should want to surround yourself with people who are different than you. I have a saying, you know, something I tell my niece all the time. She should soar with eagles. Meaning you should surround yourself with people who are like-minded or people who can teach you something that you can learn from. Um, and or, you know, the old folks have a, a saying to lay down with dogs, wake up with fleas. Mm. And so it is certainly natural that people don't want to sit with pain. They don't want to revisit episodes in their journey in their life that have caused them pain but 
what people don't understand is pain, heartbreak, failure, rejection. These are all things that build you up. They make you stronger. And if you can get through that, you are equipped to deal with anything that comes your way. So to me, for you to be as young as you are, that was very profound for you at such an early age to grasp that while it can be painful to go inward, it is absolutely necessary. And I keep saying that in this time of the COVID-19 virus, where the entire world, as I say, was placed on a timeout, there has been no better time than each day right now, the present, because for the first couple of months, people had nothing but time. They couldn't go to work. People were, were literally being confined to their homes. And so after the initial frenzy of people spending time, I guess, doing things they never had the time to do, okay, whatever that may be, that could be organizing, which I'm still trying to do. I'm a continual work in progress when it comes to that, maybe cleaning, maybe being creative, whatever the case might be. But then sooner or later, sooner or later, did you ever get to the point where you were just still? Did you listen to your heart? Did you, do you live somewhere where you maybe in the darkness of the night come outside, look at the sky, see the scars, stars, see the moon and think, you know, in the greater scheme of things, I am but a mere, a mere dot in the greater cosmos, which represents the universe. Um, and that, you know, pain kind of sort of represents like that shadow side that we all have. You know, we have like the light and the dark, which represents who we are, the feminine, the masculine. And Dark Soul of the Night is, is a poem, which I highly recommend you read. But sometimes the things that we see inside ourselves, we don't like it. Or things you see in other people, you don't like. And so, you know, for those of us who live by ourselves, we only had ourselves to, to, to look at and say, okay, whatever, whatever. I think a lot of times people maybe found themselves in scenarios where they realized that people that they were sharing their space with who were, you know, their, their wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, intimate partners, what have you, um, they discovered that maybe they didn't like them as people. But um, I know you probably, you know, because you spoke earlier about rejection. We all have experienced rejection. So what, what led you to, to write those words? Or was it a result of rejection you too have personally experienced? What, what led you in your spirit to write these words? For that chapter or the title of the book? 
this chapter the where, one we, the one we just where we're about. talking about using your pain and, and mm-hmm. using something that that you know uh, where you say it has to be hard and sturdy mm-hmm. you know most people if you build okay. a house you use you know you build a house from wood from concrete you know these are relatively sturdy objects but you were like now nah, i'm not going with that i'm going with something more personal i'm going to go with pain yeah it seems like um it seems like the more i create the more i see well my wife changed my life you know like i was a big big jesus guy really big jesus guy like i'm not talking like religious church guy i'm talking just the jesus part i was a big fan of his you know i still love him um, and I think what happened was, for some somehow I I I had a placeholder. So when my wife came on the scene, just kind of moved Jesus around and just put my wife in Jesus' place. Because the same things I would do to Jesus, I do to her. The same way I would love her or talk to her, I just did that. So. Um, so that's where a lot of this, like, looking beyond myself, beyond what I know, my wife has played a pivotal role in all these creations. And uh, and uh, as far as the pain goes, um, it's just... When when we were in Sally, when I when I went there for my first time, that was it was very shocking. It was a very tough time. And just so people understand, Sally is located where? Oh, uh, Sally is the beach in uh, Senegal. Okay, thank you. But it was it was a uh, um, it was an excruciatingly painful time. Um, I got off my medicine. I was wild. Like you wouldn't believe the things I was doing in my head. I was creating um, a, I it was, it was just ridiculous. I don't even know if you want to hear stories, but the things I was doing in my head was just ridiculous, ridiculous, and I was hurting. So I, I the only time I felt good when I'm in pain, I create, because that's the only time I'm in something. I can't feel my. My, my soul that's breaking, I feel my spirit releasing. And okay. that spirit release is the healing that I live in. Right. So every time I would start writing a book or writing lyrics or going to the studio, anytime I created anything, that was a healing moment for me. Yes. And then I get a little bit back when I play it back, when I read my books back. So um, that's, that's, that's why that happened. And if, um, can I see this real quick? Sure. That's why... Um, so this this is made to heal, you know. And so basically, when you read this, when you read these first two lines, it, I'll tell you where I was. Okay. I was looking at a blank page. You want to read the two lines that you're referencing? Mm-hmm. There is so much space here. You can look all around you and see space everywhere. So this is a type of writing practice I do. Um, in a way, I'm inscribing on heaven because like a white space, like you're wearing white today. To me, that has significance. It's not just you want to cover up. Wearing white means something. It 
spiritually, there's all kinds of stuff going on. And to me, a white is a purification thing. It's a Sunday thing. It's a renewal thing. It's a maybe you're not going to make a million dollars today because it's not really worldly. But this is, you know, like you're getting married. You're wearing white. You know, it's a it's a purification. You're coming clean. Okay, so so when I wrote this, these first two lines, it was just a blank page on my computer, just all white. Correct. So this is my practice of speaking the truth. When I have nothing to say, what do I say? Because that's the real me. So I'm I'm just I'm just saying, you know, I'm saying to this white space, there is so much space here. You know, you can look all around you and see space everywhere. And then, you know, as I'm writing, I start to see the words that I wrote. Okay. So then it's all building up. It's like an avalanche. Right. It's piling up. And then that's just, that's how I wrote the book. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, see, um, when I first met you, when I met you at, um, it was in Orlando at the Fusion Fest. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. You were vending with your wife and your mom and Fusion Fest we're really lucky in Orlando, but I have to back it up. I grew up in Philadelphia. Let me back it up before then. I'm an army brat. So I grew up um, being around people of all races, colors, cultures, religion. It made me the person who I am. A lot of people don't get that. I grew up basically junior high school onward in Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection, which is also where Jill is from. Yay. You know, your life experiences do form you. They make you who you are. And I understand you, were you born in Lake Mary? Born in, born and raised? Okay. Born and raised in Lake Mary, which is now where I reside. That's a whole nother conversation. But the bottom line is um, if you have an open heart and an open mind, And when I first moved to Lake Mary, the community in which I live, it was full of older um, Caucasians who have since either died and we now have a mix more like what I'm used to, what I grew up with in Philadelphia, where we have people of all races, colors and creeds, religions. Um, And this is important that people understand that we the people, the United States of America, yes, is a country of of immigrants, okay, that yes, some of those immigrants came here of their own free will and volition, and then there were those of us who not so much. But the bottom line is this has always been a multicultural quilt, of, of cultures, experiences, yada, yada. So Fusion Festival is just that. It's like a smorgasbord of, of different cultures coming together. Um, and I, I was walking around and I saw the African clothing and I came over. I started talking. I don't remember if I first started talking to your mom. I said hi to your wife. I started talking to you. I gave you my card. And um, I said something like, um, I think I might have mentioned that I was doing a podcast or was starting a podcast and um, that I would like to uh, collaborate with you because I also believe that the way forward in this new 
world that we are creating that there are certain things which are immutable and what is immutable to me is that yes we all have to learn how to respect each other and that our differences give us strength and that if you are fortunate enough to know people from different cultures races you know whatever whatever it gives you a greater sense of who you are a greater appreciation for who you are and then if you ratchet that up a little bit and you bring in like you that you are married to an african female that's a whole nother layer of consciousness that you have to deal with as a as a african-american man who was born and socialized in the united states then you can add another layer onto that because there's also a difference relative to religious beliefs so all of these things kind of come together and have forged you Raphael into the person who you are okay and so um I I view that as as being positive because it means that you are open your mind and your heart are open and since that time you have created um we've collaborated I've read you know your other book the producer you created original music for my podcast which is totally off the chain and I think I recognize in you that yes your creativity is how you channel exactly what you spoke of like the pain that you've experienced and that's how you deal with I don't want to call them demons but that's how you deal with whatever is inside of you that you need to get out to express yourself to keep yourself in balance or to have equilibrium in your life yeah yeah it's it's just i think we all could maybe talk about this a little bit but like it's just the freedom you know like if you're free it might seem good but then it's a big world out there you know a lot and there's millions of choices infinite choices so sometimes i think about needing a manager and stuff but um so that's why i fumble around that's why i do the heat flu thing so just so i can show you guys a little bit um how it actually works in real life um so like um i'm teaching class on heat flu <laughs> go ahead <laughs> class is in session y'all so like let's let's just take an example like like think of we're gonna I'm gonna say one and you can say your own and then she can say your own right so basically it's a combination of heat flu and then it's the other part is um, what you might think of your imagination but it's a a quick thing it's quick because that's 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 why the key food thing is so important because it's quick um so so i'll start off i'll say heat flu and i'll say something and the thing is you don't have to do anything after you say it because like what we read in the book it it already your mind is listening you when we're talking it's like god has a microphone right here in our mouth he's hearing it and you don't have to yell you know so 
So, you know, you, you say heat flu and you say something and what what it does, what it does is, is knowledge. It's you creating knowledge for, for yourself. Okay. And, and, um, and so your, your mind will run the program. And it's not like a, a detrimental thing because it's spirit. Mm-hmm. So when you say something quickly, like uh, he flew up the ladder, you know, um, it's it's a it's a it's a spiritual thing that happens quickly, and and it gets worked out into the spiritual. Okay. And after you practice this, you'll say something like what I said, and then as time goes by, you might. Well, things are gonna change. The atmosphere is gonna change. Mm-hmm. Something's gonna change. And you might see yourself, you might see the program that you ran. You might see, well, whatever happens, is it can happen. So let's just get into it. Okay, let's see. Let's okay. see what happens right. here. So okay. I'll say one. Okay. Say, he flew into the moon. She flew owl spirit, eye of auras, queen Nefertiti, bast. Okay, I'm going to take a different take on it. She flew to her new home. There you go. All right, so we just keep that, right? And then, so, like, one one reason why it's, it's very important, because it's for, it really works for traveling. Um, a lot of the work I've created is to combat that painful experience I had in Sally, because I never want to go through that again. And so, so when you have an African talking to you, like, woo-ga-ra-ra-ra, and you don't know what's going on. You don't know what they're saying. You don't know how it affects you. You know, so you cover yourself. You cover your, you cover yourself. Mm-hmm. You cover yourself. And, and no matter what they're doing, you know what you're doing because you just ran code. Right. So you, once you run the code, and it doesn't have to be a one-time thing. You just fly, 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 fly. You know, and so, you know, um, and like I said, with practice, you might see... You might see that program you run, and then you collect. You'd be like, okay, I saw that worked. So for you, it's kind of like a protective mechanism. It's like, you know, if you, again, look to nature, you know, um, you can look at, at animals like tortoises, turtles, that have outer shells that protect them, the inner. You can look at um, animals transforming like how butterflies start out being caterpillars and then through a process in nature they become these beautiful butterflies and that's kind of like who we are as people as human beings you know we come here and we depend upon our mothers our fathers or whoever to take care of us in the first couple of years of our life because we're like a blank slate. We can't do for ourselves. Our minds are being formed. Our bodies are being formed. Then as you go through life, you learn things, okay? Um, and, you know, choices. Life is about choices. What you choose to do, who you choose to connect with, what you choose to put out there, what your energy is, these are all choices that you make you can we've all made choices or done things that perhaps we wish we had not have done but you can learn from those experiences you can be redeemed 
and that's what one of the purposes of, of some religions is, is it serves as a redemption for things perhaps that you could have, should have, would not have done. So the bottom line is um, each day you get to make a choice. Who, who do you want to be? What do you want to be? And that's the moment that we are in when as a world, because of everything that is going on in the world, we are all connected. We are all one. We individually have to make a choice and decide who we want to be individually, who we want to be collectively, because we're, we're in that moment where we see every day on the news injustices occurring, um, which these, been, these injustices have been occurring for hundreds of years, but it seems that the tide is turning and people are more willing to, to do what their hearts and their minds are leading them to do to try to affect change. So you say in the plan and the little exercise that we were talking about where we were doing the he flu and the she flu, Mm -hmm. You say here, um, there's no limit to how far you can go once you learn this practice. Fly your body today and command the mind. You are no longer a slave to cause and effect, but you have the power to be the cause all the time. It's time to wake up and manifest your destiny. Um, and I'm just trying to see if there was something else. And so I think what Jill said, mm -hmm. that, that yes, in my mind also represented for me the power of, of your mind, what you think, what you take in, what you allow mm -hmm. in your mind, what you put in your body, how it strengthens you or it can weaken you. And it's like mind over matter. And yeah, because... I'm going to try to go deep for one second. Um, when we are speaking, uh, words words add up to make a sentence. And you have to use one word to take it to another word. So, so, and that is what I call walking. I believe that's what Jesus taught. Jesus taught step-by-step step, principalities. This is how you get from A to B. Mm -hmm. um, so... So it's easy to be understood because it's it's slower and while you are reading or speaking, you can see what is happening and you can follow along in the story. So the thing about the he flu code is that you can pretty much connect unlikely things because because it the truth is it doesn't go there. It's not supposed to be there. So, so like you said, um, uh, like you said, what was yours you said? Do you remember? It doesn't matter. You don't have to remember. I know yours was a home. You said he flew home. Oh, I was, I was, home. I was. He flew to a new home. So, <laughs> so let's, this is a classic example. Um, um, because she, 
she flew to that thought. I don't know if you've been thinking about that for months or years. Oh, I'm actively manifesting it. Oh, you are? Yeah. So I'm just activating it with the code. She flew to her beautiful new home. Okay. Well, then, I don't have much to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so the words that I that I spoke, you know, my, my life in the past couple of years since I've started uh, journaling and being more aware, I guess I've always been aware, but, but, you know, my life story is different than your life story. It's different than Jill's life story. But, I mean, I've known Jill for a number of years since she we attended the same college and when she started she was 16 years old um but synchronicities have played a large part these past couple of years like i can't i can't begin to tell you how many times i will come in my backyard and i will find a feather i can be out somewhere and i will find a feather um, and all of these things speak to me. Um, and that's what I mean when I say taking the time to be still and being aware of your surroundings and, and how most of us, we're in such a, a state of not being in the moment, okay? Because we're thinking about I need to do this or I got to do this or and you just never have the time to be free to free your mind so that you can do as we've been doing. I mean, we've been sitting in the yard. We've heard planes. We hear cars. We hear sounds of nature. And this is beautiful that we in this moment are living in the moment and that we're experiencing what we're experiencing. I'm the only one out here barefoot, but, you know, I'm a little country bumpkin, so I'm always running around barefoot. Um, but so the words that I spoke and there's a butterfly it was like a yellow butterfly and the dragonflies and this butterfly is yellow and black and look at it Hello. is it not beautiful yeah. and butterflies represent transformation change so see there there are signs and symbols that are in front of our face every day but we're so self-absorbed and so stressed out that we never really fully appreciate or take the time to appreciate what nature, what God, whatever your religious belief is, is, is sharing with you to guide and to help you. Okay. So those words were kind of sort of, um, in a capsulized version experiences that I had yesterday when Jill and I, we went to Sanford. <laughs> which that's a separate conversation so they they all had meaning and when things like that happen I do write about it and then I do further research to see what what was the deeper message and so that's what the words that I spoke meant all right, all right. well you want to um want to zoom to the end we can zoom to the end um so because after that, I just want to say the only other chapters were, uh, let's build, look what we did, where's the money? Oh, so we're almost due. We're almost through. Yeah, we are Well, due. I just wanted to, well, 
You want me to, what do you want me to do? No, well, you speak. Because, you know, we weren't, and just so you know, this people, um, and I'm going to give Raphael an opportunity to share, if indeed you are interested in purchasing this. I mean, it, it's not, I don't know. I didn't count the pages, but it's like, I don't know. It's a, it's a quick read. It, it's not the number of pages. It's what's contained therein and what it will hopefully cause you to do, which is be still, take the time. And, and I have to say that not everybody will understand nor appreciate the message because everything is not for everybody. I'm okay. looking, I'm starting off, I found, I, I believe my market is um, my family and close friends. I'm not trying to get people I don't know. I, I'm done doing that. I've looked back in my life, every time I've done a project or started something or needed, or, you know, it's always been my family. They've always had no problem stepping up and they got me to go all other places. So I want to just focus on my family and my close friends and then people will see us gathering People see us gathering and start looking and be like, well, what's going on over here? But what I wanted to say was, um, so zooming to the end for the podcast, um, what I what I do, the, the things you learn in a book, right, um, which is practically simply saying he flew and then what what happens and and be cut and I give you evidence that it programs your mind because your mind is made to do something. It has to do something. So you got to tell it what to do. And heat flu is the code that wakes up the mind and tells it how to get, how to form this thought and get it from where it goes. Um, I do want to share a story. Um, I have a lot of stories about this because I, I, I do this every day. I do this all day long. Okay. For the last like three, five years. Um, it's got me very far and it, it keeps my keeps me sane because you know and there's so much I want to say right now I'm like I just so much I want to say but like like the reason why the book is called The Stone the Builders Reject is because it's a very hard issue and I want to be very sensitive about it but um you know rejection is one of the hardest things to do it it really is absolutely it really is and so, and it happens to me, it happens to me all the time. I don't know. I think I changed myself and now I just, I live with, like, it just happens all the time. Um, and so what I do, and that's because, like you said, I'm open. I'm an open person. My heart's open. My mind's open. So um, it gets me into these situations. But now this is my cure. Okay. I just, I just, I fly by it. So, like, today, or something happened the other day, but today, you know, I was in the coffee shop, and I was outside drinking my coffee, and I went in to go to the bathroom. I forgot to put my mask on. So, the lady says something, and the, the you know, the bathroom was, like, from the front door to here. Mm-hmm. And I go to the bathroom, I come out, and I forgot to put my mask on again, you know, <laughs> But before I went through the building, I looked, and there was six people in there, and nobody had a mask on. And I was just going from the bathroom to the front door. So she stops me and says, she gives me a little thing. She says, you know, you need to put your mask on in here. There's too many people in here. Right? So that hurts. 
no matter how strong you are or how much you get deflected, those little stabs, they hurt. So most people don't know what to do. So they, they go out of control and they start thinking about that. So regrettably, there's a limit of 60 minutes and we kind of went over the limit, but we're close to the end. So Raphael was sharing with us an experience that happened to him while he was in Africa. And I promise we'll be over and out within five minutes or less. So as you were saying before, we were rudely interrupted. Okay, thank you, Pamela. Um, so so I'm like, I'm not eating that. And then... Um, so we might have lost the beginning part where you <laughs> talked about what happened. So if you could just recap in case right, we did. Here's a recap. <laughs> um, right. You were in the restaurant. Yeah, I'm not going to give the full story. I'm just going to okay. give the, the meat and potatoes. Okay, give the, give the meat and All potatoes. All right, so I was in a restaurant, and I, I asked the waiter to take back the food because he gave me some seconds off of somebody else's food. So I'm like, I'm not eating that, and they want me to pay for it. I'm like, I'm not paying for that or eating that. And then so I sit down, you know, in this chair in a restaurant outdoors, and this, this guy who looks pretty drunk, he looks like a thug. He looks crazy, really. His hair, his dreads. His attitude, he looks crazy. He's talking to the um, the waitress. And next thing you know, this guy comes, approaches me. He walks down the middle of the restaurant, comes to the back where I'm at, and gets in front of me. And he's yelling these African things at me and showing a lot of violence and anger. And so what do I do? Well, this is what, these are my options. I can respond to his threat and and approach him to fight him and beat him up because he's threatening me. Um, I can ignore him and see how far that gets me. Um, I could call for help and and see if somebody could help me remove this gentleman or help explain why he's mad at me. But because I'm so practiced with the he flew code, I ran code. Um, and so what I did was I said he flew back. And before you knew it, I was back in my chair, right? And he's going, you thong my sugar, my guy. He's going African on me. And the next thing I say, I say, um, he flew a thousand angels down. And to me, I believe this is happening. I'm not just saying it because it's a religion. I'm believing this is what's happening in the spirit. So I have my angels behind me, right? Which gives me more confidence. Mm -hmm. And and then next thing I know, he's saying something. I say, he flew right. He flew left. Next thing he says after that. He's like, I don't want a problem. I really don't want a problem. I'm like, he's like, don't, don't, there were, I don't want anything. I was like, no, we don't have a problem. Just go. And he turned around and left. Um, yeah. So to me, when I break that down, um, what I feel like happened was he approached me, but he didn't know when I was flying by him and, and when I was flying, you, he couldn't touch me. He couldn't touch me, and he couldn't. He couldn't take his physical animosity and destroy my my spiritual being that I protected myself with. And so, so yeah, running he flew code. There's a lot of potential. And what I was saying in the back of the book, what I'm asking people to do is use this code, use these principles in a book to build up other people. Yes. 
I'm saying that the reason why you will start using the heat flu code is because you want to be, become what's called a commander. You're going to command your day. You're going to command the room. When you step in the room, you don't wait for somebody to say good morning. You say heat flu, I'm the best in here. And that is what it is. You, 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 before, this is a very important part in the book. It says something like encode everything before everything encodes you. So you have to know who you are. You have to say what you are and what you're doing and where you're going. So, so I want you to be a commander. I want you to take charge of your day, your life. And then once you master that, I want you to build up other commanders. And then the, the limits is out there. You can do so much. If you have a team of commanders, everyone's, you know, fly to pick up this and we're going to fly over there and things are going to get done in a way like never before. And it will be fun. Trust me. And so and then I say you'll be better than me. You'll when she picked this up like they already you said she flew. That's not in the book. Y'all did that. Off no, the sister, back. It's the feminine. feminine <laughs> the feminine in case people haven't just haven't figured this out. We're in the age of Aquarius uh -huh. and um, we're transitioning from that masculine energy into the divine feminine. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to read what you have on the rear of the book, which is in essence what you stated, which again is just to, to recapitulate or, or to restate the obvious, you know, what, what you're speaking of or what resonated with me or what I got from this is mind over matter, being true to self, the importance of spirituality, of having a sense of who you are. And, you know, spirituality is a little different than religion. You know, people, you know, can have religious beliefs, which is fine. But there are people all over the world who hold different religious beliefs. That doesn't mean that we're saying you're excluding anyone because of their religious belief. We're just saying we can respect that you do have a different belief, but it all I always say, if this is my left hand that I'm holding up, one figure may be Christianity, one figure may be Judaism, one figure may represent Islam, one figure may represent, but they're all attached to this one hand, which is attached to the body, okay? And so, you know, when, when ministers go to theological seminary, they learn about all religions. And so for me, it's always been kind of... Um, suspect if you go to the type of church where you know you're being told in in contravention to what it says in the bible you know about love your neighbor if if you're trying to say i'm better than you because i believe what i believe and i'm excluding what you believe that's that's not the way of the world that's not what the bible says but that's a whole nother podcast so what you say is the discovery of human flight has been one of the greatest achievements of mankind. Every year, there's a breakthrough of how humankind can mobilize itself by flying. The principle in this book is simple. You can fly in your mind by using certain codes. If you program your mind, then you can influence everything and everybody in your environment. This skill was developed over the course of many years by the author, Raphael Polk. Using code, he has escaped powerful traps achieved the impossible, and walked into his destiny. After you read this book, you will become a commander and back in the driver's seat of your life. Take control and grab this book 
It could save your life if the concepts are applied and you will surely go higher and faster than you ever imagined. So with that said, Can I say if one people, more thing? yes, I just wrote this down and it is she flew is my vehicle to live my best life. So I thank you, Raphael, for giving me this tool. You're welcome. That's, I'm proud of you. <laughs> and so, Mr. Raphael, if people are interested in reaching out to you, speak and tell us the many ways in which they can do so. Um, hello. My uh, my number is for no. Um, my email is rp at raphaelpolk.com. That's rp at r-a-p-h-a-e-l-p-o-l-k.com. And um, you can also find me on my website, www.raphaelpolk.com. Or you might be able to hit up this uh, beautiful uh, uh, podcast owner we have, Pamela, and uh, she can get you in touch with me and my, my, uh, my products. And we appreciate any thoughts, any comments. And so now we hear someone's dog barking. But hey, we're in nature. This is life. Thank you so much, Raphael and Jilda. Thank you to the people who continually tune in to, to learn something. Because that's the whole premise of, of the podcast, Ancestral Muses, is that we can all learn from each other. And so the bottom line is live in the moment go inside meditate sit with those parts of you that are uncomfortable and trust me if you do so you will become a stronger person thank you and enjoy the rest of your day okay yeah. let me all right i gotta run love it love it thank you calling me yeah you